Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAg.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I go on an emotional journey to a grim dystopian future for some retro arcade fun. Hello, Trevor. How you doing tonight? And please phrase your answer in the form of a question. What is doing good? <laughs> oh, perfect. Yes, and so this is a week that's heavier on the fun side than the kind of the news information side, but that's kind of how these weeks unravel as we go. Yeah, I, yeah, it's tough because we're not always going to have new apps and and we're always going to have Apple news, so we tend to fill those shows with uh, more game coverage. And that's not a problem. So the Apple news, we pretty much covered it over the past couple weeks. WWDC keynote is on June 5th. It's two weeks away from when we're recording and it's going to feature new MacBook Pro, new MacBook, possibly new MacBook Air, maybe that 10.5-inch iPad, possibly a new Siri speaker with a screen like the Amazon Echo screen. And that's an eventful show in addition to all the OSs of tvOS, watchOS, in addition to the mainstays of macOS and iOS. Yeah, it's going to be a busy show. So it, curious to down, see how gonna, much they cover. Yeah, you might need an intermission in that thing. Because it's going to be long. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if they so, talk about Apple Music, which tends yeah. to go on. And so we'll start off with Google Assistant, which it's Google's essentially take on Siri. And it's been on iOS in various forms. It's been part of the Google app. Now it's its own standalone offering. And it does most of the things you're familiar with, whether you've seen those Google Home commercials, you've used any type of Google Assistant, or you've used Siri it's, you know, the usual time, sports scores, reminders, calendar events, all that good stuff, tying in your flights, checking in with your Gmail email account for more services. And the one kind of new addition I found is that you can create shortcuts. So you can put in particular phrases that you would want, like I'm going for a walk or I'm taking my dogs out. And then you could tie that into like a specific workout timer. I mean, the best potential version of that would be to tie into your Google Play Music into a specific music playlist. But since this is a third-party app, it doesn't have those iOS direct connections into everything like Siri does. Right, yeah. They're always going to be limited just because they're not native, so they don't have those nice hooks into everything. They do have some hooks into the Google stuff so it has access to your contacts for google contacts it has access to some of the google stuff but not everything and then another neat one that i thought that i noticed on this was you can have it just remind you of us like if you want, just want to keep a certain piece of information then you're going to say remember this and it will remember this certain amount of information that you then say so i mean i thought that was kind of nice it's easier I, I i don't tend to use siri except for voice i didn't realize you could not use your voice to use siri but it's nice to be able to just type quickly type out things and get the answers so you don't look like an idiot talking to your phone all the time so i thought that was a nice aspect of google assistant it's just it's tough to not use the native thing and obviously apple's not going to make this easy for google to take over their market share from the siri on the phone so it's always going to be a little handicapped. It's like when Echo 
was built into the stock Amazon app just a, like a month ago. It's the same kind of idea. It's always going to be easier to press and hold the home button to activate Siri, even if Google or Amazon are going to give you better results. And I tried to test various phrases, and there's some instances where each one has its own strengths and weaknesses, but it seems that they kind of mismatch or overlap. Like one will be good at this, but bad at this, and then the other one excels at that and is bad at the other thing. So it really kind of depends on very specific use cases per person. There's no like, this one's clearly better than every other one. Right, right, right. But if you do kind of want that offering, there's now a standalone app. It's not as easy as just pressing the home button, but it is just one Google Assistant app that if you really got accustomed to it, you could make it so it's on the front page on your home screen or even in the dock. And that's and the closest it is I think iPhone, It is iPhone only, I notice, and I tried to actually install it on my iPad. It wouldn't even let me install it on the iPad. It said your device is not supported. So that was interesting that you couldn't even put it on an iPad, uh, even if you didn't care about the blowing up of the screen to have it 2x. But yeah, it wouldn't even let me install it. That's good to know. And so that's Google Assistant. It's free. It's universal. And let's transition over to some nice set of new games. The first one, we get to see it at various conferences, and now it's available for everyone to download. It's Old Man's Journey, and it's a puzzle adventure game that's really high on narrative versus the puzzle aspect. And it describes this entire emotional journey of this old man and recaps his essentially life, his past and why he's going on this journey and his whole backstory without relying on any text on the screen, voice actors or anything. It just evokes the emotions and the journey through the scenes that you're given. And essentially, a lot of his past is through still frames. It's not even animated in any form so they tell a lot that a picture's worth a thousand words really has meaning an old man's journey but the main actual puzzle aspect is that you get to rise and lower the land to create a path for the old man as he journeys across the landscape so you essentially grab one kind of hillside and move it up and then grab another and move it down and where they overlap the old man can then cross over that pattern and then as you go they're going to build upon that mechanic to introduce waterfalls or little rolling kind of barrels that can break through walls and various pieces to build upon that rising and lowering of the land right you also have sheep that then you have to kind of almost play like a cup game where you got to move them to another location so you can get by them and i i, I really like this mechanic they use with the moving of of the land to help him walk because you feel that journey because it's not just a simple tap and it'll move over to a new location you really have to help him figure out a path find a way and blaze that trail so that he can move on and continue with his journey and what will happen is as he's moving along he'll come to a spot maybe it's a bench or a rock or something where then he can sit and that's when you get what you'll see like a flash a flashback to some previous time in his life and you'll get that beautifully drawn still photo of this time in his life and you see everything that happened to him and why he's there now and this journey, why he's going on the journey. And it's just so well done that they can pull off this really emotional 
storyline without ever putting text or ever ever having speech in there. Just they've done such a fantastic job with the art and in, in the game that it just evokes all these emotions without any need for text. And then the story as it transitions the old man is going to have regrets and it's interesting that they change the conditions of kind of the land. So you'll start out, it's bright and sunny and you think of brighter memories. And then as his story kind of goes to darker places, it starts to get stormy. Storm clouds come in and then there's like a downpour and then you'll transition back through that point and kind of just follow along and really connect with the old man and his story. Yeah, I was just surprised how long the game was, too. It felt like it was at least two to three hours worth of content as you're trying to figure out how to move him and then view these scenes and make your way through quite a bit of content uh, for this to tell the whole story. Yep, they do a really good job. And then it's only four ninety nine, so it's five bucks. And it, like you said, it's two to three hours, so it's kind of that movie-length idea. And then you get to fully interact with it in a style that I haven't seen before, that shifting the land to create the path forward. Yeah, yeah, no, that was interesting. And then I like how they kind of build on it with adding the sheep and then the wheels and the other aspects to it. So, it, And that's not even counting as you're walking along. There's all these little things you can tap on, and they're just fun little background things that you can interact with. And they, like maybe birds fly away when you tap them, or wind chimes go, or there's flowers. And so there's other little Easter egg type things you can just be tapping on as you're going to just interact with the environment even outside of that cool unique mechanism that they're using yep and that's old man's journey it's 4.99 it's universal and next up is beholder which is an interesting game that it has ties to games you might have played before it has that element of like a totalitarian state in a like not so distant future kind of like papers please and there's a whole decision engine in that regard and then there's that kind of dark setting of this war of mine, just same kind of idea. You get to play as essentially a manager of an apartment who oversees his tenants and he has orders from the state to kind of spy on them. And you have to decide how much you want to do that, how far you're going to go into doing that and then actually pulling it off. Yeah, it's it's that same sort of feeling you get from Papers, Please and This War of Mine where you feel like there's something gripping and bigger than the story here that you want to play this, you want to enjoy it, but at the same time, you almost feel bad for enjoying it. And it's the same feel here because you are basically spying on all your neighbors and you're forced to rat them out to the government. Otherwise, it's not going to be good for you. And so you'll keep on getting these various missions. So they'll all of a sudden you get new notifications from the government like you need to uh, find all of apples are no longer allowed. So if you find anyone who has apples, you got to report them to us. And so you just keep on going around to the various apartments and you're talking to the, the tenants and you're also when they're out going into their house and buying and putting up uh, cameras in their smoke detectors. So now you can spy on them even when 
uh, their home and you can see the things they're doing and you build up dossiers on them of all this stuff that may or may not be useful to the government. And then you have to decide, am I going to like if they tell me I got to evict this guy, am I going to evict him or am I going to try to find a way that he can stay? Or and like so there's one guy early on where he's super nice to you. His wife is nice to you. They give you the things you need for your children. But do you really want to evict this guy now because he's been nothing but friendly to you? And now you're kind of torn. But at the same time, you know that it's not going to end well for you if you don't. So it's all these really kind of heavy decisions you have to make at the same time of just trying to complete these various little missions that happen to come up. Like maybe you're helping out your family, which is nice things to do other aside from the stuff that the government wants you to do. And you have that whole decision engine game. That's a pretty popular kind of system for iOS. And that means there's going to be multiple endings based on those decisions that you make. And then it creates that emotional connection where you actually care about those decisions. Like you said, you're going to get interact with different characters that you know the best way to proceed within the state and probably to proceed the best through the game. But there's that emotional connection where maybe you don't want to follow that for whatever reason that the game kind of develops. So you have that constant balance of how far you're going to go to fit in with the state while, you know, connecting with all the people who are essentially living, you know, all about their lives because they're living kind of within your bounds, you're spying on them. So you know quite a bit about them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, the nice thing that I. I mean, one one aspect of it that I did find a little frustrating of the game is a lot of these characters, because it's all kind of this black and white kind of shadowy look to it. And a number of the characters look very similar to one another. So you really have to go and tap on each one of the tenants to really get a uh, uh the, when you tap on them, it'll give you their name. So then you know exactly which person it is. At any time, you can bring up a listing of the apartments and you see the headshots of each person who's living in which apartments. So if you have a mission where you have to talk to a, a certain person, you can bring it up in there and kind of see who you're looking for. But they do all kind of start to blend a little bit together. I mean, they there are fat people, skinny people. So they do look different, but just because everything's in that black and white, it's tends to kind of blur a little bit that was the one thing i had a little bit of trouble with but otherwise like this is, i've just been kind of engrossed in this game and i just feel like i i want to play more and really want to try to figure out a way to save this person and the only way to do that is to continue doing missions and each of the missions is time so you might have like 24 hours to complete something or for this particular one where i have to evict them they gave me a ton of hours so there's going to be a lot of time that i can research and try to find a way to save this person rather than get rid of them but otherwise in the meantime i'm still going to have to be completing all these other missions and looking for evidence and looking for things so there's always stuff to do, uh, even while you're trying to plan for something else. Have you made it to one of the given endings? Because I haven't. I wanted to know how I have long not. you think it might take. Okay. Well, how, no, no, how much played, have you got in? I probably played for an hour and a half or more so far, and I haven't hit an ending yet. Do you feel like you're close to an ending? I can't see that I am now. Yeah. I don't see that I'm anywhere close to an ending unless I really just start ignoring what the government wants. And <laughs> then I'm sure there's going to be a bad ending. 
Yeah, so this is another lengthy game, and it has that paid premium price. It's also $4.99, and it's universal, and that's Beholder. And then there's Chroma Squad, which is another paid game. So right off the top, it's $4.99. And this game takes into account and is inspired by the classic Power Rangers franchise. The idea is that you have these five stuntmen who do all those Power Rangers stunts, and they decide that the actors are mainly sitting over on the sideline watching them do the majority of the show. So they're going to leave and create their own television studio, create their own show. So it's the classic beginning five rangers where you have the red black yellow blue and pink rangers and they're just stuntmen and they'll get to create the tv show scripts and the studios from scratch and you have this whole kind of studio simulate tv studio simulation setup where you get to essentially craft new wardrobe or you can upgrade your advertising campaigns and then you can equip new items for each of the rangers and then you also get to pick kind of the order of the TV shows. So you'll get like three different scenarios. And just season one is just four episodes plus the season finale. And you get to decide the order based on the story that you're given. And then there's a whole story within each episode based on the dialogue of the characters and the enemies. And the enemies, how they just show up, like they're scripted to show up. And they kind of have funny asides to the classic Power Rangers. And then that's all kind of the backdrop to the main game, which is turn-based strategy, team-based combat. So you get to send your five rangers. They each have, you know, a limited range of where they can move. And then you try to maximize your attack. And then the rangers work with one another. So you can send one of your rangers forward and then click the teamwork button. So now that character can double up on an attack if you get into position with another ranger. Or you can then use them to expand your range because they can kind of throw you and do a little tumbling move to expand your range. So you're going to use these various moves and teamwork abilities to try to defeat all the enemies. And then each show has specific guidelines like defeat the boss with a special finishing move. And finishing move is when all five rangers work together and do the little transform and a chroma squad special move. And then there's also, you know, defeat the boss within three moves, save some kidnapped person within five moves, defeat the enemies before saving the kidnapped person or save the kidnapped person before defeating everyone. So you have different ways, kind of the script will give you bonus points. And then the best kind of show you want to put on maximizes your television audience and then that television audience is going to generate money to invest in your studios, make better scripts, stunts, et cetera, as you go. So it just keeps on building on itself as you're going. So you're you're trying to build up those funds to keep on, and the fan base to keep going the next show, the next show, the next show. Right. Is I only completed. Yeah. yeah, I've only completed season one so far, but everything kind of is tied into. You can see how long it's going to go because you know you're going to get to the point where you're going to be able to create the full-on Megazord-style combination of the Rangers. So you have that constant kind of idea to strive to, and then it's going to be low budget because you're just a fledgling studio, but you can increase that budget and make better better effects as you go. So it is going to keep building upon itself. Okay. So, so would you say it's about 50% the setup of the episode and then 50% of the actual... Uh, turn-based strategy portion of the game or is it 
heavier on the the turn-based strategy it's probably section heavier on the turn-based strategy there's not like it's not in-depth simulation but there's a lot of story like it's more kind of the humor and making fun of what went into the original power rangers and all that okay okay because i think it's officially licensed by saban who owns the power rangers because it's made by bandai namco so i think they you know it's not like an indie developer who couldn't get that license so i think it allows them to kind of have more liberties with making fun of it yes yeah yeah but it's really well done yeah Yeah, if you just even like kind of turn-based strategy games you'll enjoy this if you like power rangers you'll enjoy this and that's pretty much all you need (laughs) (laughs) so that's chroma squad it's 4.99 it's universal yeah, and so one I wanted to mention, which was another weird one that came out this week, is Arkanoid versus Space Invaders. They, Square Enix has pretty much mashed up two of the most popular uh, classic arcade titles, and basically you have a setup where you have a paddle down at the bottom, and the Space Invaders are up there scrolling across the screen, and they're firing down at you, and you use your paddle to basically reflect those bullets back up towards the space invaders and try to take them out and and then what the arkanoid piece is not only the paddle but you have all these blocks that are might be kind of getting in the way of being able to hit those space invaders so you have to take out those blocks first to have an even line to be able to hit the space invaders themselves and uh what will happen is in each level you're trying to complete the level which is kill x number of space invaders before the time runs out and you have a limited amount of time. And so early on, like the levels, you have plenty of time to do this. So unless you're missing all the bullets as they're coming towards you, you're going to have plenty of ammunition to be firing back at, at the, at the invaders. And what there's other little drop downs that'll come down. And what those allow you to do is if you collect these little orangey yellowish ones, they start building up these power meters. And once those completely fill up, you have this special firing ability where you basically drag back like, like an arrow and fire it off and then you get this special bullet that just kind of starts it's a limited time but it just takes out tons of stuff and you can keep on bouncing it back in towards the the stuff you want to take out so if you can keep it on screen you can keep it going for as long as you want and to move that paddle you're just dragging your figure down on the bottom of the screen but once you complete I think it was 15 levels. That's one section. And then you face a boss at the end. And it's like at least the first boss battle is a giant space invader, a single one. But then he has all these little minions that are moving around in the back. Once you do that, you unlock all the levels in hard mode. And what hard mode does is it is actually hard. So without hard mode, normal mode is fairly easy, at least for the first level set. And hard mode any of those bullets that you miss, that they're firing down at you, and they're different types of invaders have different types of uh, ammunition. So some will come down really fast, some will come down slower, and they also bounce differently when you send them back. So uh, if any of those make it by you, they start to do damage on you and move your timer quicker and quicker and quicker. So you can't let any of the stuff get by you in the hard mode, which is a much better challenge than the original. I mean, the, the normal mode is still fun, but it's not super challenging. You, you, it seems like you got plenty of time. 
but they do start to introduce new block types, which take multiple hits to eliminate, and that will eat away at your time. So even on normal mode, once you start getting into the later levels, it does start to get a little more difficult. They do really ease you into the game. But if you like either of these arcade games, I think you're going to love this mashup of the two because it just seems to fit so well. And it and it it is fun. And it, you can unlock different characters, which then do different things to the paddle. Like maybe the paddle will fire or maybe the paddle will be bigger and different characters will have different aspects uh, for that paddle. And so... Does it seem like it, the gameplay is mainly Arkanoid Brick Breaker style? Uh, well, it's sort of both because you're having to take out all the invaders. You're doing but, it I in mean, a way that you're. The thing you do is brick breaking. Like, yes. You know, rather so than shooting. Yeah. Right. So you're trying to basically you are limited. The only uh, until you unlock a character that can fire from the paddle, the only ammunition you have is to take the ammunition coming at you. So you have to basically bounce it back brick breaker style with the paddle and send them back and they'll ricochet all over the place and hopefully take out invaders. And so you're still having to take out all the invaders. So that space invader piece is still there, but you're doing it in an Arkanoid style where you're breaking bricks to get to the invaders, or you're just reflecting things back to send the, the, the armament back towards what you're firing at. So it it kind of, the idea is that the player skill is dependent on being good at brick breaker is what I'm trying to get. Yes. Yes. It's more like that. So if you don't like a brick breaker, you're probably not going to like having to move this paddle around and reflecting things, especially if you try hard mode, because it's way more difficult. But yeah, if you don't like Arkanoid, I think you might have a little tougher time. Like if you just don't like that style of play, then yeah, I think you probably won't enjoy this. But if you are a fan of that, this kind of changes it up a bit. I mean, they are pretty short, confined levels that you can quickly kind of roll through. It seems like a perfect waiting in line type of game where if you just want to play a level or two to waste a tiny bit of time while you're waiting in line, it seems perfect for that. Uh, But you're not, I I don't know that there's an endless mode. It seems like it's all this level-based mode to keep on going. Uh, So there's no like sit there and play as long as you can for a high score and just kind of crank through levels. But uh, maybe that'll come later, but... It's uh, I, I enjoy, especially once I start unlocking the characters and then get, un- be able to do that hard mode and or even just moving past that first level set where things start to ramp up a little bit more. That's where I really started to enjoy it more because then it was definitely more challenging. Sounds good. So that's Arcanoid, Arcanoid versus Space Invaders and it's three ninety nine. It's universal. And then to round out the week is Jeopardy World Tours, which is the classic game of Jeopardy but they've reduced it down to be more accessible and more for quick gaming. So rather than that full-on board of five columns and five numbers each, you actually only have to pick five questions per round, and you're given three columns with three questions per each. So you're not even going to answer each question in a given round. And so it really kind of lets you strategize what categories you would be best at and then kind of maximizing the values on the board. So you have the opening round of Jeopardy, then you have double Jeopardy, and then you have the final round, and you try to maximize your score, and it's social-based online multiplayer, but it's not live. 
So essentially you get to play against two opponents and you've given the same set of questions and it maximizes the score through that. So you try to finish first, but you don't have to play it live. I found that out because I needed to pause after the first round. And when I came back to it later, I could still play the second round with the same people. It wasn't, you know, based on my live connection. Yeah, I think that's so much better than having this live because if you just need to take a break or something comes up, you want to be able to go back to it. And they do have a double Jeopardy, uh, I mean, a daily double in each uh, one of the rounds as well that you'll uncover. Maybe you'll uncover it, maybe you won't, and you can bet based on that. There's also this whole uh, power-up setup where at the beginning, before you start a game, you get to tap these things and get three random power-ups. They could be anything from giving you more time to answer a question, or you can say, I want to double the amount of value of this this particular question. I think I really know it. But if you get it wrong, you're going to lose double. So you got to be use that when you know it. There's other ones that allow you to eliminate uh, one of the bad answers. There's one that lets you guess twice. And so that way, if you guess wrong the first time, you can guess again. And so the, you'll get a random set of these. So that can kind of really sway who wins a game, especially if someone only gets like ones that allow them to take a little more time thinking about it, where someone else will get uh, double the money, double the value. And so they can use it on like a 1200 point question and get a whole bunch of extra points. You can't use those power ups on a daily double and you can't use them on final jeopardy. So at least it's good about that. That keeps you from, from being able to really crank up your score, but it's still a really fun and uh, abbreviated version of jeopardy that you can just quickly play whenever you have time. And then they have that whole world tour aspect where as you level up by winning matches or just playing more, you can unlock new locations, and those lo new locations have a higher maximum value of earnings, of winnings. So the currency is cash. Essentially, as you win that cash, you goes to your total, and then each set of cash, it costs every time you play. So each time you play, I think it's like 5000 So you want to win, otherwise you're going to run out of cash, and it ties into the whole free-to-play system. But then also you can... So it starts out with Los Angeles. You can max out at like 40K. And then Sydney, you can max out and win 80K. And it goes up like that. But each one is going to cost more to enter. So you have that constant balance. But you get to unlock and earn potentially more and just feel like you're advancing through the game. Right. And they give you free cash every day. They give you ways you can earn cash. I haven't hit like where I've run out of cash. But I could foresee it if you're someone who just sits there and plays a lot of it. It could run into a problem. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> that too. But uh, yeah, yeah, if but, you win, you should be able to earn it back pretty regularly. Yeah, so it, I mean, as long as you're winning, which it's not too difficult, they do do a good job with the questions. They're actually not super simple questions, and the categories, it may be something you know and maybe something you have no clue about. They do a really nice job, and obviously it's Sony Pictures that put this out, so they probably have access to a good library of questions. But they have to make money some way, and the free-to-play model is what they chose, but so far has not been annoying to me at all. Yeah, the gold bars are included, and I have, an, I have like 150. I have nothing to spend on. It's like you can shuffle the categories or something. I'm like, I'm going with this. This is the challenge they gave me. Let's go. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I've never felt the need. Like, there's been categories I have no desire, but where you not have you don't have to answer all the questions. You can eliminate an entire category, and you're fine because you only have to answer five questions. Even then, you you can pass. You don't have to answer, so you don't have to take a hit if you don't know the the answer. You just hit pass. You just won't earn money. Yeah, you can use strategy in earning money. Like, say there's a category you know you start at the bottom you go for the highest amount and then you do the middle one and maybe you skip the lowest value one but then you try the lowest value one on a category you don't know at all or how you and then like you said you can pass so you don't have to worry if someone loses 800 and you passed you might actually pass them in the standings or at least have a better amount going into final jeopardy where you can wager your full max yeah, and there was one where you and I were playing against each other. Like, So I could see at the end, it shows you after each question, it shows you how much you went up and how much they went up or down. And I could have sworn we must have been answering the exact same questions because we just kept on going up by the same amount each time. And then finally, I had a daily double where I bet everything and I, and I jumped ahead because of that. And so, I mean, it's fun. Even if the person's not there live – because of the way they show you the scores going up and down, you still feel like it's almost happening in real time. Yeah, the main game is a random assortment of who you're kind of matched up to play against. But you can then challenge your Facebook friends to have a specific score, and then you're both going to play the same exact board, so you can directly compare your money winnings at the end. Yeah. And so that is Jeopardy World Tours. It's free, it's universal, and I think that's everything for episode 20. Yep, that's all I got. Brett, thanks again for joining me. Oh yeah, it's always a pleasure. And to everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.